Well, good morning, everybody. I just want to say first and foremost how truly um, blessed and honored I feel to be a part of this new church that God has begun over these last couple of months. And I'm very thankful to Pastor Danny and to everybody here in the staff of this church who's created this pastoral residency program for me to mold me into what we believe maybe God is shaping me to be. So I'm very excited to be here today to share God's word with you, and I'm very thankful to a lot of my family and friends, and I have some old teachers here that are here to um, uh, share this day with me. So I'm very glad to be here. So um, with that being said, if you have your Bible, let's turn to Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 1. And this morning, we're going to be looking at verses um, 26 through 38 in our time together. And the title of this morning's message is One Faced with the Unexpected. So before we begin, let's pray together now and ask God to teach us his word as we are here from the greatest teacher, Jesus Christ. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning that you've brought us here together to worship you through singing and now through hearing of your word. And I ask, Father, that you would speak now to each and every one of us here today. We are ready to hear from what you have to say to us from your word. And we are ready and we're eager to hear what you have to say. So, Father, I pray that you would speak to all of us here. And I do pray, Father, that if there's anybody here today that does not know your son, Jesus, in a personal way, that today would be the day where you open their eyes to see and that they would come today and receive Jesus today as their Lord and Savior and that they will begin this relationship with you. So we ask you now to teach us your great word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There was a movie, very famous Christmas movie, named Home Alone. Probably most of us have seen that movie. It's a classic. And we know that this story is focused on the McAllister family. And we know that the whole pretty much plot of the whole movie is that young Kevin gets left behind as his family goes to Paris. And the whole movie, they're trying to get him back. They're trying to get to him to come back. And we know that there's two bad guys in the whole movie that are hardcore criminals. These guys want to rob houses. They just want to do these. And now they're comical people, if you've, if you've seen the movie. But these guys are determined. These guys are strong-willed. And so at the end of the movie, we know that Kevin is a smart eight-year-old young kid. And he knows that these guys are trying to get into their house. And at the end of the movie, these guys are trying to get in. So Kevin sets these traps to try to catch them. And we know that there's one scene where there's this uh, bad guy named Harry, and he goes up to the door, and he touches the door, 
The door is red hot. The premise of that is that he's focused on what he's doing, but all of a sudden he's burned, so to speak. And I think that happens a lot in our lives. Something that we're determined to do, we're, we're determined, we're focused on the task at hand in life, but all of a sudden something happens and our life changes. We start to think about things in different perspectives. We start to wonder. We start to maybe even question God. We question his word. And it's in times like this that we know that these things happen. But it's how we respond to it that makes the difference. You know, we we talk about bad things happening. You remember that day that you found out that your best friend died from an unexpected heart attack. He was healthy. I don't know what happened. It just happened all of a sudden. He died. I don't know what happened. Don't, you're left with the question, why? Why did this happen? You remember that day that you found out that you were diagnosed with cancer, and by God's grace, you got through that, but it's scary. It happened. I don't know why. I was healthy, and it just happened. These things happen out of the blue. But we know that good things happen too for every uh, married woman in this room. You remember the day that your boyfriend at the time got down on his knee and he proposed to you. And you had talked about it, but it was out of the blue. He had planned this special day for you and somehow it happened. It's great. Good things happen that are unexpected. But what we're going to look at this morning in this passage of scriptures, we're going to look at an unexpected moment. More importantly, we're going to look at a woman, one of the heroes of the Bible, and that is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And we're going to see that she is faced with unexpected news that's going to change her life forever. She is going to be tasked with with giving birth to the Savior of the world. And the main point from this text is that when we're faced with the unexpected, we must submit to God's sovereign plan for our lives, knowing that he works all things for our good and for his glory. So with that being said, let's turn to Luke chapter 1, and we're beginning with verse 26. And the Bible says this, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man named Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And by the way, we're reading from the Christian Standard Bible here at Cross United. So if your translation's a little different, it's the same thing, but it, uh, we use that standard here. But the first thing that we need to take note of in this passage is that God uses dates, people, and places, and the unexpected. Now, I want you to go back in time with me to Bible times. We're going many years back, and we're going to picture a young girl named Mary. Now, we're not told in Scripture what Mary's doing here. She could have been sitting. She could have been walking. But breathing is something, so she's doing something. So let's imagine Mary is outside. She's walking uh, down the road of Nazareth, And all of a sudden, she's faced with this angel Gabriel appearing to her. 
Now, why do I say that God uses dates, people, and places in the unexpected? Because in verse 26, it says, in the sixth month. Now, what we need to know is that the sixth month isn't talking about the sixth month of the year, but it's actually talking about the pregnancy of Mary's, uh, what, what people in the Bible think that is Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth's pregnancy. And Mary and Elizabeth are, are, are called to be cousins, that we believe. And so we see here that this month is not referring to the sixth month of the year, but it's referring to Elizabeth's pregnancy. And all throughout the Bible, we're, we're shown numbers. We're shown numbers of fulfillment. And, and if we really want to kind of get to the foundation of why, why are there numbers in the Bible is because God is a specific and detailed God. You see, God uses numbers, and, and sometimes we have to dig deep to understand the root behind why this is there, but God is a specific and detailed God. Now, this verse in this introduction uh, of this passage this is more than just a conversation between two people. This is a conversation between the sovereignty of God that he, before the foundation of the world, decided that he would send Gabriel to speak to Mary and that this conversation would happen in the sixth month of this time span in Nazareth. And so what we need to know here. Is, is that God uses dates, people, and places in the unexpected. But what does that mean for us? What it means is that God will use people. He will use places. He will use that date. That day that you found out that you were pregnant with that baby boy, that baby girl, that day was set in stone before the foundation of the world that God in his great sovereignty had chosen that day to it was just another day to you, but it wasn't another day to God. And that day was set in stone. And he used that doctor to tell you that great news. He used that hospital room or that doctor's office room to tell you that great news. So this is so important that we understand that God uses dates, people, and places in the unexpected. Let's continue with verse 28. And the angel came to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what kind of greeting this could be. Then the angel told her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. What we see next in this passage of scripture is that God tells us to not fear in the unexpected. Now that's a pretty tough pill to swallow. Mary could have been afraid for several reasons. Mary is probably afraid because this glorious angel has just appeared to her and we know that angels in the Bible appear glorious. In fact, in Luke chapter 2, the the probably the same angel Gabriel appears to the shepherds to tell them about Jesus Christ. 
that he is born. But it is a tough pill to swallow to even apply into our own lives because how are we not supposed to fear when unexpected things happen in our life? It's bound to happen, but God tells us to not fear in the unexpected. You know, King David in Psalm 56.3 said, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. We have to trust God. God says to not be afraid, that he is sovereign in our lives, and that he is the one who is in control, and there's nothing that happens to us without God's sovereign permission, whether that be good or bad, and we can trust in his goodness. That no matter what happens in our life, God is sovereign and he is in control of us. So this is really important for us to know. This phrase that Gabriel says, it literally means stop being afraid. And he says that to us, stop being afraid. And that's what we need to know. God tells us to not be afraid in the unexpected. You might say, well, how am I not supposed to fear? I just lost my job. It's, it's bound to happen. And, and we continue to, to trust God every day. How am I not supposed to fear something just happened? What, happens, what will happen to my kids? We have to trust that God is sovereign and in control. So God tells us to not be afraid in the unexpected. And we need to trust him in that. So let's continue what happens next in verse 34. Mary asked the angel, How can this be since I have not had sexual relations with a man? The angel replied to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived in her old, image, in her old age, and this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. There we see the sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. Number three, if we, if we want to look at this text, the third thing that we can see is that God gives us assurance in the unexpected. Now, Mary is given the biggest task of her life, and she asks the question, how can this be? Don't we sort of ask the same questions, whether it be good or bad, in our own lives? How can this be? How can this be? But God gives us the assurance that we need. And in this passage right here, we see that Gabriel gives Mary the assurance that she needs right here in that moment. You might say, well, I, I don't know if that's true because I know in my life, God doesn't tell me right away when things, why things happen in my life. And I think we're all in the same boat when it comes to that. God doesn't always tell us, but this is true. What Gabriel says to Mary is very, very true, and he gives her the assurance she needs right here in the moment. We won't understand why God tells us sometimes right in the beginning and sometimes way down the road, but that's in him. That's in his great sovereignty and providence that we can know that he 
is the one who is in control and that he is the one to give us the assurance that we need. But you say, well, that doesn't really help me because I need assurance in my life and, and this doesn't help me because this is difficult. This is difficult. Even if God says it, I still, I heard a pastor one time say, if God told us why he does what he does, it probably wouldn't help the situation because we're so focused on, well, we're, we're so focused on, right, on, the, on what's in front of us and God is looking at the bigger picture. But you know, we know that if you're a follower of Jesus in this sanctuary today, what we can know that God gives us the assurance is that he gives us, one, the Holy Spirit. The Bible's Jesus said that, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. God doesn't just give us the Holy Spirit who speaks on behalf of Jesus, but he also gives us his great word. And his word is the foundation, the point to how we can look at life and, and determine how can we live our life each and every day. But we have to know that we're never alone, even when it seems that life is at its darkest moment because something super unexpected happened. We can know that God is sovereign and he is with us always. And that is something we need to know. We have to know this. When I was in my junior year, I attended Moody Bible Institute in Chicago, and I was required for my major to take a biblical language. And most of the guys in my major were taking biblical Greek. If you've ever heard that phrase, it's all Greek to me, well, that was sort of the statement that, it was definitely a statement for me. Because I, I just remember the first day, I had heard the horror stories behind Greek. I had heard, you know, it's going to take a lot of work. Okay, okay that sounds great. Okay, I'll, I'll work hard. Whatever. Okay, that's great. Trust God and everything. But I remember the first day, and I, Dr. Ron Sauer was my professor, and I love this man so much. And This guy was like a machine. He would get up at like 2 in the morning and like study the Greek New Testament. I'm like, I'm just exhausted being here right now. I'm like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. And so I just remember the first day, he's using the overhead projector, remember those? And, and he's, uh, he's, he's using the, the marker, and he, and he talks really fast, and he's a wonderful guy. And um, so he's, like, drawing the letters, and it's, like, you know, the Greek alphabet. And he's like, now, class, if you want to, and he had this really great southern accent, and he would be like, class, if you want to just do a speed sigma, I'm like, Dr. Sarah, I can't even write the, the alpha, and that's, like, the first letter of the Greek new t uh, alphabet. I'm like, I'm having trouble with this. I'm sitting in my dorm room, and I'm, like, looking at him, like, this is not going to happen. And, and I, I just remember one time at Moody, we had to do a lot of great things by the honor system. And so, um, so we had to, I had to, you know, we had to take quizzes and stuff. And so I was preparing and I had like studied like two hours for this. I had like a, um, a whiteboard and I would like write the conjugations like over and over. And like, you know, I was just like, oh, this is not gonna happen. And so I'm down the, I'm down the hallway and I'm just like, I don't know what this says. And I'm like, 
I, I don't know. And so I, I remember my friend Bryce, and who, he became my roommate the next year. He came out, and he said something like, bro, you need this. And he put like a handful of chocolate on the floor next to me. And I was like struggling through this. I was like, oh, I don't know if this is going to happen. Like, this is like 16 weeks. I don't know how I'm going to do this. But, you know, I had, to get, I had to get tutored. And one of the great things about Moody is that we had a peer tutoring system. So one of the um, guys that were on my floor, he had gotten married. And so I reached out to him and I said, hey, would you mind tutoring me? So this guy sat with me for three times a week for like 45 minutes to an hour, and he would just reteach me this stuff. And it was one of those things that I was just like, it would kind of keep my head above the water. And I was so amazed. But in looking back, I can see the assurance of God, even the little things, like my friend Bryce just putting chocolate on the floor next to me, that telling me, God's telling me, hang in there, you've got this, I am with you through this. And even through tutoring, that we, there was a teacher that came alongside of me to help me through this. I was amazed at how God got me through New Testament Greek. And you know, it kind of comes back to the church and how we need to be there for one another when something unexpected happens in our lives, that we can look at someone and go, I'll be there for you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 12, 26, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. And that is so true for you and for me. And God gives us assurance in the unexpected. And let's conclude with this passage in verse 38. Mary says, I am the Lord's servant, said Mary. It may it be done to me according to your word. Then the angel left her. The last thing we see from this passage, submit to God's sovereign plan and the unexpected. This is really the main point of this passage between Mary and Gabriel. Mary submitted to God's sovereign plan, not only for her life, but for the life of the entire world. Mary didn't know what could happen. She was probably around, she was no more than 15 at this time, maybe around 13 years old, and she knew the risk. She knew anything could happen. She knew that she could be stoned for being pregnant without being married to a man. She knew the risk, but she submitted to God's sovereign plan because she knew that he was the one that was going to be with her. But what's so amazing about this passage is that even though Mary was facing the unexpected, she was carrying the expected one because Jesus Christ is the expected one who was prophesied throughout the entire Old Testament and now he has come for you and for me. This is so important that we know that Jesus is the one to fulfill what was unexpected. Now, we can ask this question, why? Why could Mary submit to God's sovereign plan for her life? Because the Bible says she had found favor with God. Gabriel told Mary that you found favor with God. Now, Mary could submit because 
And here's, here's the real, the main point. The reason why Mary could submit to the sovereign plan of God, not only for her life, but for the life of the entire world was because she knew God in a personal way. She just didn't know things about God. She actually knew this God in a personal way. She knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She knew this great God. But you might ask, why did this conversation even have to take place in the first place? Why is it even in the word? Why? And really the reason behind why this is here, why this conversation was here, was because the before, as we said before, before the foundation of the world, God had determined that this conversation must happen. And why was that? Because he was going to send his son, Jesus, who would become Jesus Christ, and he was going to come for you and for me. What we have to know is that this is all about being in a relationship with God. You see, God created you and me to be in a perfect relationship with him. He created the first people in this world created in his own perfect image. He created this world perfectly in his own image. But we chose to go against what God told us. We rejected him. We chose to go our own way. We rejected his love. We rejected his commandments. And we, the Bible says, are dead in our trespasses and sins. We're not looking for God, but God is looking for us. And that's why this had to happen. Why? Because God before the foundation of the world decided that this was going to happen because Jesus was going to come and he was going to redeem what was lost. Jesus came because here's the deal. When we were all dead in our trespasses and sins, we are destined to spend eternity away from God forever and eternal hell. Every single one of us are destined to spend eternity away from God but God in his great love for you and for me sent his only son, Jesus Christ, so that we might, so that he would bridge the gap between God and man, the Bible says. This was the moment where everything changed because after this conversation, Mary was conceived, not by a man, not with a man, but he, she was conceived by the Holy Spirit, which is a wonderful thing to think about. And Jesus grew up. He grew up and he lived a perfect life, redeeming humanity through his life here on earth. And around the age of 33 years old, Jesus was prepared to bear the weight of the sin of the world. Jesus knew what was coming for him. He knew why he was coming, and Jesus was arrested. He was beaten. The Roman guards beat him. They punched him in the face. They whipped his back until shreds of skin came off of it, and they nailed, they made him carry a cross to the hill of Calvary, and he died for you and for me. Jesus died for anyone who would believe in him. Jesus gave his life that you might have eternal life. 
That is the foundation of being a believer in Jesus Christ. That is the foundation for being a Christian. And Jesus died for you and for me. But if Jesus stayed dead, there would be, there'd be no hope. We would still be lost in our sin. We would be dead in our sin. But Jesus rose again from the dead and he conquered sin and death. And because Jesus lives, we can live also because of him and through him. There had to be a perfect punishment that would bridge the gap between God and man. And the person was Jesus Christ. And let me ask you the question. Jesus is alive today. And let me ask you the question. Do you have a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ? And maybe you've believed, well, you know, I'm a, I really, I'm a good person. I, I, I've done a lot of good in my life. And I think that, you know, if I, if I do enough good, that, that's going to get me to heaven. I, I think God's going to let me in. But here's the thing. I don't want to discourage you from being a decent person because the Bible says that when we receive Jesus, we have something called the fruit of the Spirit, and that embodies how we live our lives but being a good person and doing good things does not get us to heaven. What gets us to heaven is only a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And there was a very famous preacher named D.L. Moody. And D.L. Moody was preaching in a church one evening in Chicago. And he um, gave his congregation a text of scripture and he said, okay, Here's the scripture, and it, it, the scripture was from uh, Matthew 27, 22. And, the, and, and it's when Pontius Pilate said, what shall I do then with Jesus, who, which is called Christ? And he said, okay, I want you to come back, think about this, and then next week we'll decide what to do with Jesus. And so the congregation started to sing after the sermon, but what happened was that the song didn't end because sirens came down the street and the great Chicago fire happened, and people in that congregation died. We are all going to die at one point in our life. It's inevitable because of what we've done, we've sinned against God. That's never going to be erased. But the question is, what will happen to you when you die? Because Moody was convinced that people in that church died without knowing Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And when we die and we don't have the forgiveness of sins and having a relationship with Jesus Christ, we cannot stand before a holy God and he will let us in. That is not the truth. Jesus paid the price for you and for me that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And this is the moment for you to come to the conclusion I need the Lord. I know that I am, I might be living, but I know that in my life there's something missing. And maybe you've come here today. You've come here today to listen to, to sing with people, to listen to the word of God, but you've come here today with being lost. And today, Jesus stands before you with the hands that were pierced, the holes that are in his hands, and he says, come to me, 
Come and receive what I've done for you, and you will be saved. And you might say, well, how do I do that? Well, the first thing you have to do is you have to admit that you have sinned against God. The second thing you have to do is you have to believe that God loves you and that he sent his son, Jesus, for you and for me. And the third thing you must do is you must confess. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This can be the day where your eternal destiny changes forever, where you're no longer the enemy of God, but you are now adopted into his family and you become the son or the daughter of God and become the friend of God. And this can be the day for you to put your faith in Jesus Christ and you will walk out of this church today no longer the, the slave to sin, but now God's child. And this is the hope that we have. So let's all bow our heads in prayer. Father, I thank you for this passage of Scripture that we're told how by you how we should respond to when things happen in our lives. And things happen all the time. But you tell us in your word how you want us to respond to when things happen. And so, Father, this is a thing that we must trust you every single day so that we might learn to trust you when things happen in our life. And Father, and now I pray that if there's anybody here that does not know your son Jesus in a personal way, that right now, this moment, they would begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And if that's you today, if you're here and you don't know Jesus in a personal way, I would like to lead you in a prayer where you're asking Jesus Christ to come into your life to be your Savior and Lord and your friend, and you will be saved today. And if that's you today, I'd like you to just repeat this prayer right where you're seated. This is, you can say this silently to yourself, or you can say this whisper it out loud. This is your heart to God, and where you're asking Jesus to come into your life. So pray this. Say, Lord God, I have sinned against you, and I'm sorry for my sin. But today I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sin. Today I begin a relationship with you. And today I am saved and I am your child. So help me now to trust in you as you come into my life. And if you pray that prayer today, we have the gospel of Luke for you in the back that you can take home with you that you can study now for yourself as you begin this relationship with God. Thank you, Father, for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.